June 25th, 1678, Elena Cornaro Piscopia becomes the first woman awarded a doctorate in philosophy. It remains the only achievement by anyone with a philosophy degree. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And our guest tonight is, I think, one of the most exciting, exciting comics in Denver to watch. Uh, please welcome Mr. Ben Bryant. Hello. To the show. Ben, thank you for being here. Thank, uh, thank you for having me. If you're not familiar, every episode we bring on a guest to talk about a topic from history. One of us presents the official account of events, mm-hmm. and another person comes up with an alternate history. And the winner becomes true history. If you listened last episode, Valley Forge, then you'll know that the alternate history... One out. And just going to say, I'm not totally sure what happened in the alternate history. <laughs> I listened to it a couple times. I I know that Tom Hanks was like patient zero for diabetes. Pretty much. He was like uh-huh. outbreak monkey. He was sent uh, back in time to protect George Washington, who he had previously established his two children in a long coat from a Terminator. <laughs> who also harvested body parts from a bunch of people. Yeah. I think we got that covered. <laughs> Well, this week we are discussing one of my very, very favorite figures from history, the Marquis de Lafayette. Yeah. So I will be doing That's the Marquis tr- like like that title in France. Yes. His name's not Marquis. No, not no, he's not like Marquis Mark. No. <laughs> that would be that would be incredibly stupid if that were the case. What is a Marquis like as a title? What does that mean? I think it's like It's like Lord or It's like Better than Baron, yeah. but weirdly worse than Baronet, which is strange. <laughs> the only one I know is Marquis de Sade, Sade. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. The, the sexy one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, I, said that, I say that skeptically, listeners, in case that didn't How come across. How was there never like, an emo band called Marquis de, de Sade? <laughs> because, Too hard to Google? That's the dumbest name. Probably that. You know what? I'm going to go with Brian's explanation for this particular... <laughs> We're Marquis de Sad. Again, there's no one in the audience for the show. <laughs> I think he was sexy. He invented like a whole new way of fucking. <laughs> That's true. Like eventually his fucking was so good it got outlawed in like Puritan America. <laughs> that guy, the guy who invented furries, who I, I think was also a Marquis, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. <laughs> Marquis de Fur. Yeah, exactly. Marquis de Pelt. Oh. <laughs> Oh, God damn it. I don't think a new way of fucking has been invented since then, either. I mean, like, we got, like, robot fucking now. We got yeah. a lot oh, of yeah. toys. We're on, a, we're on the forefront of a new wave. In of the fun. last ten years, we've seen a fuck explosion. It's a really exciting time for fucking technology right now. <laughs> we're on the bleeding edge. <laughs> Virtual reality porn? Yeah, the fucking singularity is, like, I feel like <laughs> that's just when two people have sex become one. <laughs> yeah, what the gays are doing, that's new. It's the last <laughs> yeah, ten years. That's completely new, I think, since Greece and also before that. Well, I mean, pedestry is different than consent. Very true. If listeners take nothing else away from this episode, let it be that. Uh, well, I think if we're all ready to begin, uh, I'll start off with the true story. Sure. Marie-Joseph-Paul-Yves Roche-Gilbert du Montier, Marquis de Lafayette, who was known to most Americans simply as Lafayette, because that's a shitload of names to remember, uh, was born on his family's estate of Chavagnac and became an officer in the French army at age 13, mm. which... Wow. Uh, he's he's doing, like the Doogie Howser of 
of guns. <laughs> of the French militia. <laughs> Which is a better show, I think. I would rather watch that. Yeah, oh, if he was just like a, a member of the French army instead of a doctor? Yeah, and it was just like, I don't know, the Seven Years War was going on. And it's it's still Neil Patrick Harris, right? Sure, he can do anything. <laughs> Even well, though he's like a 40-year-old man now. Well, uh... He was, he was 13, so his duties only included, like, marching and presenting himself to the king. Ooh. Yeah. Like, Pedestry. <laughs> to, bring it, to bring it back to that. Uh, it was more just like a beauty pageant than an actual army, though. When it he, is a weird way to phrase it, though. Presenting themselves himself. to the king. That's the way they phrased it, though. I know, but they shouldn't have. <laughs> no, I know. What was the normal, like, age of... Was it what, was it eighteen when you could enter the French army? Was it like sixteen? Everybody did things younger back then. Yeah, except for things that we think are immoral, like rock and roll. Yeah, yeah, you can't rock till you're thirty in the French yeah. army. Well, I mean, they also didn't know that there was any African music to steal at that point. <laughs> sure, to be I mean, fair, yeah. when Lafayette was two, his father was killed by a British cannon fighting a battle in Germany as part of the Seven Years' War, which started in America. You know, all these different parts of the world coming together to kill a dude. The melting pot story. Yeah. Lafayette was a, a Freemason, mm-hmm. uh, so driven by ideals of, like, equality and freedom. And, and of course, fighting the old gods who control the British throne. The and fighting robots and, like, order yeah. and all that so shit. Those, those were the main tenets. The main things. He was at a dinner with his men in 1775. Uh, he was discussing the rebellion taking place in North America. And he sort of decided that his heart was with the Americans against the British and their dad stealing cannons. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Not a hard choice for a Frenchman in that time. Yeah, true. In 1776, at age 18, he demanded to be part of a group of French officers being sent to help the Americans. But when the British found out about this, they were like, well, we'll go to war with you if you do that. So that kind of got scuttled. Mm. So Lafayette ended up going underground and he wrote a letter to his father-in-law, who's also his commander telling him he was going to America to fight. And his father-in-law went directly to King Louis uh, to have him issue a decree specifically forbidding Lafayette from going to America, uh, which is a, a great parental thing. What a fucking snitch. I know. <laughs> <laughs> what a fucking punk bitch. Just, wow. <laughs> Gotta go to the goddamn king, like... Be a better parent, man. You can even step up to the streets and handle it. Like I think some of the blame (laughs) lies with Louis, too, who could have been a cool king but had to be a dick about it. This is why you get your head chopped off, Louis. (laughs) Decisions like this, where cool dudes just want to spend the day off at a parade in Chicago, and you spend the whole day chasing after them. I don't know that... Are you you implying that the principal got his head cut off at the end of Ferris Bueller? Uh, Yeah, I I mean, I did fall asleep about three-fourths of the way through that movie. You always fall asleep for the ending of that. Even like reading the synopsis on Wikipedia, you just fall asleep Mm -hmm. during the last quarter. Which I do, of course, every week, read a synopsis of Ferris Bueller's Day Off on Wikipedia. Maybe I'll get through it this time. (laughs) Maybe I can make it. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, subtitle... Ed Rooney's head off. <laughs> Was that the actor or the character? Character? <laughs> For a movie, you fall asleep halfway through each time. You remember it remarkably well. well there's also he remembers thing. less and less every time he watches it. <laughs> That's one where they go to that park and it's all Jurassic, right? <laughs> uh, he bought a ship with his own money, 
He almost abandoned his plan because of his wife's emotional reaction to his leaving, but he decided to go ahead and take the boring two-month ocean journey to America. Yeah, as opposed to her chemical reaction to his leaving, or... Yes, thank thank you. Uh, Really, emotional reactions are just chemical reactions. That's true. You meat bags. Mm -hmm. Uh, Lafayette was one of quite a few French officers to make it to Philadelphia to pledge themselves to the Americans. But crucially, he was one of the only ones who had experience and spoke any English. Uh, and he also offered his services without pay. So they immediately appointed him to be a major general. Nice. Uh, which is also an internship, really, since he's yeah, going to get wow. without pay. That's true. That's uh, a good internship, though. Yeah, I, I guess. Where you can get shot a bunch. Yeah, but you're going to be a major general. If you win, that's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> if if like, you lose, that's not so good. If a major general goes down, that means fucking a shitload of people have died before you. You're all you're damn close to last in line to die. Yeah, that's yeah. true. You, have I, a, you actually have a bunch of Connecticut soldiers lined up before you. So. You've all played Risk. <laughs> I, oh, God. Uh, Lafayette became friends with George Washington basically right away mm-hmm. uh, because they're both Masons, like probably have some sort of secret underwear thing. Uh, Lafayette adored Washington. And he remembered being a child presenting himself to a king. <laughs> and George Washington, of course, two children in a long two coat. Two children in a long coat. Yeah. They had so much in common. <laughs> one was a child and one was two children. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Lafayette adored Washington, and Washington told Lafayette to view him as a father. That's a little presumptuous. <laughs> well, I mean, he's George Washington. Hey, Brian, you can view me as a father if you want. I, huh. I mean, I do have... Again, my father has not been killed by British cannon, was, unless that becomes well, yeah. part of the alternate history. <laughs> was, this, was this, like, metaphorically, or he literally was like, yeah, I'm your fucking dad now? <laughs> I, oh, that's not, a different tone, though. <laughs> me and your mom have been talking. I'm your fucking dad. <laughs> yeah, it'd be weird if he was just like, hey, Lafayette, I just fucked your mom. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> who's your dad now? There is a difference between who's your fucking daddy and you can view me as a father figure. <laughs> I think. I think it was more the latter. I'm not the best <laughs> in nations <laughs> i think like giving like I, I don't think you need to give permission to be a father figure i think you just need to be loving i think to actually be somebody's father you got to approach and be like hey i'm your fucking dad now this is how the rules of this house that's now ours you really have to be a real pushover to be like well okay you're my dad now <laughs> call your real dad be like sorry this guy just wants it more <laughs> well his dad was dead uh, that should be, I think, we just had Father's Day. I think it would be a much more interesting holiday if it were a competition to see who got to be whose dad. <laughs> who is Father oh, Prime. No, I, I feel like that'd be an awful Sadie Hawkins <laughs> thing at the end of the day, though. Ooh. Where there's just a bunch of fathers <laughs> who no one wants. Yeah. It's like, I call that kid who plays is going to play Spider-Man. He's probably going to make a shit ton of money. <laughs> It's like the purge, just everyone's a different dad for everyone a day. Everyone wants to be Beyonce's dad and no one else has a father. It's musical chairs with fathers. <laughs> Where the chair is a child. That could help a lot of people in low-income situations. <laughs> yeah, this is really a kind of a communist solution to economic inequalities. Do you understand communism? I don't know. Yeah, that's it's very... Just like, collectivizing yeah, fathers. Yeah, it's about the redistribution of fathers. <laughs> no, because you can just seize a dad. It's not like they're being doled out. You just... Dads are thrust upon you. It's like... 
It's very uh, uh, utilitarian. Authoritarian, excuse me. Not utilitarian. Authoritarian. Uh, Anyway, Lafayette gets shot in the leg at the Battle of Brandywine, uh, but he still manages. I mean, I'm just thinking because Benedict Arnold also... One of his favorite pastimes being shot in the Getting leg. Shot in the leg. <laughs> he did it three times. <laughs> yeah. Particularly the left leg. It's just so popular back then to just like mm-hmm. everybody who was a cool kid was it like, was, I got shot was, in the leg. It was the, the leg before of it was the Revolutionary cool. War. Does, yeah. that's, does that still happen? Mm, I don't think so. <laughs> okay, damn it. It was like that guard in Skyrim, speaking of outdated references. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we have a lot to get through with Lafayette, so I'm just going to kind of start listing shit he did. Mm-hmm. He shot the leg at Brandywine, but manages to organize an orderly retreat. He's re- he recruited the Oneida tribe to the American cause. Uh, Oneida, Oneida, uh, apologies. Plus, um, there was that one assassin who was in the Oneida sex cult, and they're probably more offended by that. Yeah, than... that's true. Uh, <laughs> he helped save the Battle of Monmouth, uh, returned to France to recruit more troops, Tried to capture Benedict Arnold, force Cornwallis into a trap at Yorktown, and help negotiate the Treaty of Paris. That's like a lot of shit. Yeah, basically. and uh, you may remember he was present for the topic of last week's episode, Valley Forge. Yes, indeed. There was actually one anecdote uh, from like when I was reading about him and Washington becoming friends, where Washington was like showing him his troops, and then Washington was like kind of embarrassed because his troops were so bedraggled. And then Lafayette was like, oh, I'm just here to learn, not to teach. And then I think they, they made out <laughs> or something. I don't know. It was just like kind of sort of cute, mm-hmm. which is weird. Because that was their meat cute, in yeah, fact. Exactly. Because one of them had a mouthful of slave tea. Mm-hmm. So it was weird. So after the war, he goes back to France and he joins an abolitionist group called the uh, Society of the Friends of the Blacks. It's uh, a little wordy. A little wordy. Uh, you could cut out either... Probably the society of. Yeah. Yeah. Black. I don't know that they actually had any black friends, though, so I don't know if they, if they just named themselves Friends of the Blacks. They just said they did? Yeah. FOB. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. So they were separating themselves from yeah. people who were actually friends with blacks, with blacks by being the society for the friends Exactly. Of, we, okay. we, we have America. friends who have friends. <laughs> That's how I now, now people who are racist just say they have black friends. It used to be I have friends who have friends. <laughs> That's how I've made the majority of, of my... United States with <laughs> the Republican yeah. ticket? Yeah, exactly. I've made a lot of black friends that way. It was just by being like, hey man, check out my shirt. And it's a wordy thing that says like I'm friends with black people. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And I feel like that's just one of those things where it's like, everybody. Oh, I've, I've just made a black friend and they're just like, yeah, this guy just charmed. took a picture with me. I don't know what's happening. He was charmed by my convoluted shirt. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, he became an outspoken advocate for emancipation. Uh, even writing several letters urging his adopted father figure, George Washington, to free his slaves, uh, which, as we've established, he did not. Would not mm-hmm. be a true died. father figure if there weren't something at every dinner that was an uncomfortable political topic. <laughs> In this case, slavery, yeah. which is... Yeah, you know how you think your dad's racist? Well, <laughs> fucking just wait, man. Yeah, when your dad is George Washington... <laughs> That's Lafayette in the American Revolution, but he also took paid, played a huge part in the French Revolution. And again, this is another part where I'm just kind of going to have to list accomplishments just to get through this. Because after his return to his return to France, he was a part of the National Assembly. He wrote the Declaration of the Rights of Man. 
was made commander-in-chief of the National Guard and tried to guide, like, a moderate reformist course through the revolution. Uh, at one point, he protected Marie Antoinette from an angry mob that he had just been marching to Versailles with. Mm-hmm. He tried to get her to safety in the chaos following the revolution, though, unfortunately, did not succeed. Yes, though I am aware over. that, along with George Washington, one of his children was named after Marie Antoinette. Mm-hmm. That is true. Uh, they were Marie Antoinette Lafayette and George Washington Lafayette. So Pretty direct. He disarmed counter-revolutionary nobles and then was turned on by the radicals and fled to Austria, where he was imprisoned for five years as an anti-monarchist. His wife, uh, Adrienne, was imprisoned in France at the same time. After Napoleon took power, he was able to return to France, and he served as a member of the liberal opposition to the string of French despots for the next 30 years. During the 1830 revolution, which I did not realize was not the Les Mis one, he was offered the chance to become the dictator of France, but rejected it because he felt it was unconstitutional. Mm -hmm. Finally, he uh, returned to the United States for the 50th anniversary of the Declaration of Independence. Mm -hmm. And he took a tour of all 24 states. He was viewed as like this figure from a different time because he really did bridge the era between like this chivalric feudal past and the sort of the new present of like nation states and citizenship and all that shit. (laughs) I don't know why I said it like that. I apologize. shit. All that fucking bullshit about I, constitutions I, and inalienable rights. I heard a really charming <laughs> story about him. And during his tour of the United States, didn't he see in a crowd a fellow, um, uh, a black man? James Armistead Lafayette. He was like uh, aide-de-camp or something at the time when he was fighting mm-hmm. in the uh, American Revolution. And I... Uh, Stopped his convoy, got out of his... His uh, carriage and, sp- and like ran through the crowd to greet him. Yeah, and they hugged for like five. So much of his life is like fucking from a romantic comedy. Yeah, that is true. I feel like I want to make James Armistead Lafayette a topic of a future episode, so I don't want to get too much into that. Okay, but yeah, uh, totally. Just like had a very long public hug with a former slave who Proving was his best friend in America. He was oh. not just part of the society for friends of black people. Exactly. Legitimately. A friend of black people. (laughs) (laughs) Fade to credits. And uh, he got a patch of soil from Bunker Hill Mm -hmm. uh, to take home to be sprinkled over his grave when he died. Hmm. And he returned to France. uh, His nickname was the Hero of Two Worlds. Just lived out the rest of his life in peace until he died. Yeah. That tends to happen. And that is the official account of the story of... The Marquis de Lafayette. Truncated, there is a lot more to the man. There is so much more, but it's so hard to give all of that and keep it under time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, But Ben, you'll be doing the alternate version. Okay. Um, What's his fucking name again? Uh, (laughs) uh, Yeah, so Marquis de Lafayette, Colorado, was... uh, (laughs) That's what I thought this was going to be, because there's a town in Colorado called Lafayette. It's just about this... Like like all the racists that founded Stapleton, all the clan members. It turns out he's French. Uh, all right, Marquis de Lafayette was born in France uh, anywhere between the 13th and 17th century. No one <laughs> can nail it. Um, circa, circa that. His father was killed at the age of two by uh, bandits, and they blamed it on uh, the British. Uh, <laughs> Which, of course, put like a deep Batman-like rage in him for a, quite a while. Oh, he, so basically Joe Chill 
Yeah, his I guess. <laughs> yeah, but he is British. His name is J2. Um, <laughs> and he, not unlike Robin, uh, went to join the circus to gain the powers necessary to so fight. both Batman and Robin. Yeah. He's the hero of the two worlds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's both DC <laughs> and both Gotham. <laughs> um, <laughs> he learned, you know, various circus tricks and uh, like animal taming and stuff. And he was deemed too powerful by the French government. And they're like, all right, we got to get this guy under control. And so they did. And they made him uh, join the French army. And back then, wars weren't so much fought with strategy or weapons, but a series of acrobatic bullshit because <laughs> French. Of course, it's the Cirque du Soleil style of combat. Yeah, it's so like you know, um, motherfucker. It's the the fucking play and movie that Beat It was based on. It's the the sharks and the oh, uh, oh West Side, West Side Story. Story. Yeah, yeah. It's, it was West Side Story. <laughs> it's all, how all French fights. Wait, went. Beat It was based on. I think. <laughs> like I don't know. There's definitely a very West Side Story vibe to the music video, at least. Okay. Oh, that Ooh, okay. Um, I don't know about the song itself. <laughs> anyway, so uh, Marquis no, de Lafayette is the forefather of all dance movies. <laughs> I heard that West Side Story once approached Beat It and said, "You can think of me as your father." <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, so he just carried on like that for a while, and he was like, he was, he had a knack for it, and he read like a lot of. Uh, back then, there weren't like Tumblr blogs or like annoying Facebook posts. You had to just walk around the city streets, and people <laughs> would come up to you with Tumblr posts and <laughs> Facebook posts, sure. uh, and they'd be written out on lengths of pelt, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and which was very wasteful. Yeah, you, if, imagine if you had to kill an animal every time that you wanted why, to make a Facebook post. That is why the buffalo went extinct. <laughs> Every time I put a make a Facebook post, I throw a hamster into a ceiling fan. <laughs> Do you know how many buffalo pelts were used to write hashtag not my Ghostbusters on? <laughs> Millions. <laughs> but uh, being young and radical and artsy, he soon uh, acquired the most contrarian opinion you could have at the time, and he began really supporting the, the American Revolution, mm-hmm. um, which led to him uh, developing kind of like a... You know how people are like real into Zane from uh, uh, One Direction? It's kind of like that, but for George Washington. <laughs> and um, so he started following George Washington around all of his concerts and wars and stuff. And uh, eventually Washington was like, fuck, dude. Geez, all right, fine. Come on. Let's, let's start a war. Uh, <laughs> so prior to this... The battles he was having were not for a war. <laughs> they were just for amusement. Yeah, it was for media play and for, um, to show the other four members of... Uh, it was wa- for exposure. Yeah. So Washington was originally in a boy band with uh, Franklin, Jefferson, um, Hancock, and uh, if I knew just one more, I'd be less ignorant. Uh, <laughs> And and Ringo. And <laughs> I, was, I was hoping you'd throw in Button Gwinnett. <laughs> Button Gwinnett was the Ringo star of yeah. the Founding Fathers. It really was. So Washington wanted to prove he was like the Zane or like the Justin Timberlake of 
the founding fathers. <laughs> so he just went off and started a ruckus, and uh, Marquis de Lafayette was right there with him. Just, the revolutionary ruckus. <laughs> real, real, super quick aside, related to nothing. Just like the words like ruckus and like kerfuffle is my favorite version of that. <laughs> um, and when the Smash Bros. series came out, it was just Smash Bros., Smash Bros. Melee, Melee. Smash Bros. Brawl, and it's just Smash Bros. 4 right now. Oh, but for a while, before it yeah. before it got announced, people on the internet were calling it Kerfuffle. And <laughs> I thought that was just the best fucking <laughs> you know, possible like more polite than Brawl or Melee. <laughs> it is, yeah. It's a real de-escalation. <laughs> Super Smash Bros. dust-up. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Super Smash Brothers YouTube comment section. Super Smash Bros. World Star. <laughs> just fucking Peach with a tit hanging out. Right, it's just, you fucking bitch. Cheating up on Link. <laughs> yeah, uh, Marquis and Washington were buds for like a good, they were for a while. They, they formed like a, almost a pedestry sort of <laughs> relationship. <Almost. laughs> Define almost. Well, it was all fucking no learning. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Went on like that for a while. And uh, Marquis de Lafayette was the first person to, to say, hey, maybe we should fight this war with ships and stuff. He actually... <laughs> uh, Marquis de Lafayette got like high a lot. He got fucking really high off uh, paint thinner, which had just recently been invented. And they, him and Washington were sailing around just butt-fucking. And he saw a dolphin in the seas. He saw a dolphin in the British seas. And he was like, do you think dolphins like tea? Washington's like, let's fucking pour some in there and find out. And that's how we got the Boston Tea Party. So I assume they were high on paint thinner when they had this <laughs> do dolphins like tea conversation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so it went on like that for a while. And uh, eventually, you know, they, they had the whole American Revolution. Um, that went pretty okay. <laughs> For the most part, that was another thing. Is you know Lafayette was so he just he would walk around the whole time just pissed at the British. Like if he he saw anyone British, he'd just he'd shove them, make fun of them, <laughs> flick their titty, and which is which is how wars were fought at the time. <laughs> yeah, it would be him and a, a group. They would just approach old women, snapping, mm-hmm. and they dance and uh, play a series of and comb their hair threateningly, <laughs> summer camp esque pranks on each other. <laughs> There, uh, there are r- rumors that Marquis de Lafayette was, in fact, Jack the Ripper, but with dance battles. Uh, <laughs> late, 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 Where late. you would just have dance battles that left several <laughs> prostitutes dead. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know, dancing. But uh, yeah, uh, so one day Washington was like, "You can consider me a, a father figure." I was like, this completely changes our sexual dynamic. Uh, I don't know. Uh, so they went on for like a couple more months, and then they split. And then Lafayette determined to prove that he was his own thing. He's like, all right, all right. Well, what if we did? Uh, what if we did like a revolution here in France? And I'm not really telling an alternate version of what you told. I'm telling a much dumber version. <laughs> well, it's a differently colored version. Yeah. yeah. It's the true Hollywood story. <laughs> it's, well, it does involve drugs and sex. So, <laughs> yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> I might just cut in weird narration for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I mean, so he, he, you know, Lafayette had already, it was pretty well established in both the American and the French, you know. So it was, it was easy for him to work his way up. Uh, his ultimate goal was to fuck Marie Antoinette in the ass. 
Um, <laughs> everyone called her cake ass back then. Cause <laughs> she had a fucking because ass like a fruit cool. cake. <laughs> because they are French. So, you, I mean, you know, if you knew him back then like I did, you know, he was a fucking, he was a rascal. He was always, <laughs> always making dirty puns. So he'd be like, uh, hey, Marie, uh, you want to maybe let me eat cake? Uh, <laughs> they'd all high five back then. And uh, Marquis de Lafayette invented the high five. <laughs> okay. I was going to ask when that came about as a thing. Uh, <laughs> Inventor of the high five. Long list of accomplishments. <laughs> yeah, so he he facilitated most of the French Revolution, wrote some plays, smoked some paint thinner. <laughs> Wait, smoked? <laughs> smoked? Is that how you do paint thinner? No, you huff it. Okay. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I imagine if you smoke it, wow. it'd be... <laughs> he smoked it. Most people huff it. <laughs> okay. He was an impressive guy. <laughs> he was a pioneer. Of ways to get high. <laughs> he invented whippets. Yeah. Which before then were just whips. You know, he he spent his time between, you know, the US and France, just kinda going back and forth. Uh and then he eventually uh made his way to um to Britain. And that was where he uh he wanted to have it out with the British monarchy one more time and uh he got in a shootout with some guards. Um <laughs> but his loyal assistant, uh V uh, put him on a subway and then <laughs> blew up him and a bunch of towers. And now everyone wears the mask in remembrance <laughs> of Marquis de Lafayette. So, <laughs> so wait, does that make him Natalie Portman or Hugo Weaving? Yeah, he, Hugo Weaving. He uh, had a. He, he, I, couldn't, I couldn't remember Natalie I, Portman's I, name. I Tarzan. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't remember the fucking name of the character of Natalie. But yeah, he. I don't think anyone Evie, can. It's Evie, Evie, Evie. Whatever. whatever. Okay. Close. <laughs> yeah. That's also a Pokemon. That's what I know. Yeah. Yeah, he was put to arrest by uh, Vaporeon and. <laughs> and of course. The most dignified of the Eevee evolutions. That's a. D- <laughs> uh, ben, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Zach, you're uh, judging for this episode. Okay. Uh, this is actually kind of rough. Um, <laughs> so. I like the concept of Marquis Lafayette as a drug addicted sex maniac proto Batman. <laughs> we covered a lot of ground. <laughs> but my honest main concern is that we've covered too much ground. And that would we do future episodes about the French Revolution or even the <laughs> remainder of our American Revolution episodes? Even an episode about, like, the gunpowder plot. <laughs> that we will be so indentured and impossible. Like, it will be impossible to pull those threads away from, like, the monster version of Marquis de Lafayette. Because he's like- so prominent in various parts of history. I'm really scared about what the alternate history could mean for just I- the logistics. I like still just, like, the idea of the alternate version of the Boston Tea Party being them being like, the being Dolphins like tea. Yeah, that's so like, tough. That's like the accidentally shooting your friend of the 18th century. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I definitely enjoy a lot of the details. I'm just terrified. <laughs> I'm terrified of having to work them into future episodes. And I do have a lot of respect for real life Marquis de Lafayette. That does factor into it. 
So I think I'm going to have to let that story exist as its own beautiful thing that is in this <laughs> podcast. Just so when we talk about Marquis de Lafayette in future, when he comes up in future episodes, we can like have Both. something resembling a normal conversation <laughs> instead of like, instead of like we're talking about Marie Antoinette and this guy comes out of an alleyway smelling of paint fumes. <laughs> <laughs> and just tells her to smoke this and who knows what happens after that <laughs> so just for my own logistic sanity on future episodes I have to stick with the real story uh, but, uh, but it, was a, it was a joyful joyful story to hear uh, well <laughs> thank you Zach uh, listeners before we go uh, you can always leave us a comment or ask us a question at revisionistpodcast.com. Uh, you can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and write a review of this podcast on iTunes if you're so inclined, because that's very, very helpful. Mm-hmm. Uh, also, while you're on your computer box, today we got a write-up in Westward uh, from friend of the show, Byron Graham. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so check that out. It was very, very kind. Before we go, we're always around. Zach, you do Stage of Fools. Mm-hmm, that's correct. Uh, ben, you're brilliant. And you're brilliant. You're brilliant. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> oh. Turnabout. Turnabout <laughs> is fair play. Uh, also, listeners, you can catch me July 6th at Comedy Works New Faces Contest, where I'll be competing against former guests, Janae and Byron. And me. And you. Oh, fuck. Yeah. God damn it. <laughs> so, come check that out at the Downtown Comedy Works, uh, July 6th at 8 p.m. And I think that does it for this episode. Yeah. Which has been... Accomplished a lot. A trip. <laughs> and amazing. Yeah, amazing. I really thought that conversation about switching dads was going to be the weirdest part of the show <laughs> about 20 minutes ago. Really? It's the most sensible idea <laughs> I think that happened in the last 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, ben, thank you for being here. Thank you. Yeah, Zach, thank you as always. Yeah. Uh, For everyone here at The Revisionist, I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. Have a good night or day. Bye. Podcasts. Bye.